Podcasts are pretty common. So what makes the Uncommon Podcast uncommon? Well, it's all in our name. I'm your host, Noah Weiss, and we at Uncommon Sports Group understand the unique pressures and temptations that come with a career in the sport industry. We provide uncommon training that helps you successfully navigate common challenges. Hit the follow button on this podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Check out our website and become uncommon. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Uncommon Podcast. I'm your host, Noah Weiss, and I am blessed to be here at Northwestern University with Dr. Matt Hill, the athletic director here at UNW. Dr. Hill, how are you? I'm great, thank you. Absolutely. Dr. Hill, it is evident that your priority is to cultivate Christ-centered culture amongst your student-athletes and coaches, and in fact, your core values as an athletic department are to place Christ first, invest in relationships, and pursue your best. And certainly our desire as a ministry is that our listeners and members within Uncommon Sports Group would cultivate a Christ-centered culture in their workplaces as well, similar to how you guys have uh, here at UNW. So we'll be talking through that today, how you have went about that, how you guys have made that possible here. I think it's so incredible. But Dr. Hill, I want to start with your career here at UNW. This is your 24th season at UNW as the AD, and I'm sure you've had a plethora of opportunities to per se climb the ladder within college athletics. So common in today's world of sports to want to climb the ladder, to go D1. But I'm curious, what's kept you here at UNW all this time? Well, they haven't fired me yet, Noah. Number one, they've uh, they've kept me around here. Um, as an alum, I've, I love this institution. I invested four years as a student athlete, but mm-hmm. even more so, um, and looking back at the last 23-plus years, um, I think it boils down to relationships. Yeah. Um, I think if you were to survey our employees, f- certainly our athletic staff, it would be, um, why are you here? And, and similar question, why have you not taken opportunities that have come along? Uh, it's about relationships. Mm. And um, form strong relationships not only with each other in, in our office and, and you know officials and people we meet, but student athletes really energize us in our relationships. Mm-hmm. I would say students just in general, college students. Yeah. When you get the opportunity to work with Christian college students who are focused on um, their sport, their craft, their career, um, their life, yet um, are also focused on uh, growing in their faith, mm-hmm. uh, it's it doesn't feel like a job. Um, I, so I sometimes good. joke, I can't believe they pay me to do this. I hope my boss isn't listening. <laughs> uh, but I don't feel like I've worked the last 23 plus years. I, I enjoy being at Northwestern. Funny story is when I my wife will call me at you know 5:15 and say, hey, "We live a mile away from here. Yeah, there's four stop signs to get home from here to my house, and two are on this campus, yeah. and we're not a very big campus." Mm-hmm. But she'll joke. She'll, she'll she'll say, "You know, supper's ready. I need you home in 15 minutes, and don't talk to anybody." <laughs> because I I on my way out to the parking lot mm-hmm. by the weight room at practice, I love to stop and chat. And it's about relationships. You know, God's called us to be in relationships. He created mm-hmm. Eve so that Adam wasn't alone. Right. He created us so that he had children of his own, if you will, adopted us into the, into his kingdom. And, and so when it boils down, I think I've been here 23 plus years and hopefully mm-hmm. the rest of my career because of relationships um, with students, parents, alums, um, and with many people. It's just uh, 
it makes my job uh, a lot of fun. I, I look forward to being at work. I don't know how many people say that. Mm-hmm. I look forward to coming to work. It's amazing. Yeah. It is amazing, and it's such a blessing. And I'm curious, Dr. Hill, I think so many people miss out on the relational aspect of sports because of that idea of climbing the ladder, mm. reaching Division One. I'm curious, what benefits does a Division Three job like yours mm. as an athletic director have as compared to a Division One role? That's a great question, I th- and I think there's a big, huge distinctive between the two. Mm. Uh, first of all, obviously the talent's a little bit better at Division One, uh, depending upon where, but we get mm. athletes that have have opportunities to go to Division One, decide to go to Division Three mm-hmm. because they want to come to an institution like Northwestern. Yeah, um, I would say a big difference is you know our student athletes do not receive a dollar for participation. Yeah. they literally are, are amateur athletes. Mm-hmm. They want to be here uh, for the right reasons, if you will. Totally. There's, and our coaches can only work with them for a certain amount of time, as mm-hmm. opposed to Division One. Yeah. So the time that we get ha- we have with them, or whether it's 19 weeks or 18 weeks, depending upon the sport. Mm-hmm. Is, is time that we not only uh, you know craft our skill, if you will, but that's at Northwestern to the three core values that you read off at the beginning of your intro mm-hmm. is where we spend a lot of our time also. So yeah. the, the Division three athlete really is somebody who also might sing in the choir. Yeah. They might be a resident assistant. Mm-hmm. They've got a job. Um, they might be a, uh, you know, a teaching assistant mm-hmm. or a lab assistant. They get time to do other things outside of athletics. So it's a much more pay- potentially rounded college experience than somebody who really uh, has their sport as a job and, and they go to school at the same time. Yeah. It's so cool too. And, and I think to your point, there is that aspect of it, it is amateur athletes, but they also have that buy-in to this university and it makes your job a lot of fun, right? To be a, to be a part of that. Yeah. And I think too, on the topic of Christ-centered culture at the division one level, there are a lot of hands at play and who manages the culture, right? A specific coach. And it's more about winning than it is about culture. And I think what I've always admired about this university and this athletic department is the way you guys prioritize Christ as the main, main thing above winning, above accolades, mm-hmm. above those things that so many Division One mm-hmm. schools prioritize. And so obviously as your role as the AD, it's your responsibility and opportunity, right, to cultivate that Christ-centered culture. I'm curious to hear, what does a Christ-centered culture look like and mean to you? Yeah, well, first and foremost, um, along the relationship theme, it's, it's serving others. Totally. You know, when they ask, when the teachers of the law ask Christ what's the most important commandment, he said, love the Lord all your God, with all your heart, soul, mm-hmm. and mind. And That's then he, he threw in the second little question of little bump to give you and love others as yourself. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, a Christ-centered culture um, is one that serves others. Mm-hmm. It, it loves people. Um, and it desires for, for the people in that culture to, to be who God's called them to be. To Good. maximize that and and bring that out in people, mm. uh, and I realize that uh, the majority of the sport world does not have that opportunity um, yeah. as part of their mission. It is part of our mission, which you know I I would have a tough time Noah probably being somewhere else after working here yeah. and having a part of that. Uh, it doesn't mean I couldn't, but um, just the intertwining of mm. the faith um, and the culture is important. So amazing. All of our staff is on board with our mission. I mean, mm. one of the things that is great is that you know we have quite a few alums that actually end up coaching or working here yeah and so they've been through the system if you will or through the uh through the the past history of who yeah. of, of what we do and then they can infuse that in the into the into the students that they coach mm. um so you know it's most important to us the number one goal you said to us is place christ first it's amazing and if, if we don't do that then then we've lost mm. we're not winning i don't care how many trophies we, we get or whatever, then, then we've so missed good. our mark. So good. 
And Dr. Hill, I think this is increasingly important in our day and age of sports. You see time and time again in the news, some university, some coach having a, a problem or an issue or there, there's something morally wrong, right? And it's just like you scratch your head, what's going on? And mm. I think it comes back to culture, mm. right? And I think the amazing thing about this university is that Christ is first, right? And, and that's a beautiful thing that you have implemented, which and is amazing. I, and I would say this too, Noah, to say that this is not utopia. Right. I mean, I mean, there is no utopia on earth. 100%. And, and so uh, are there Amen. struggles? Absolutely. Yeah. Are there mistakes? Absolutely. Mm. It starts with me. I mean, there's no perfect human that's walking on this earth right totally. now. So there's grace um, to forgive. Mm. There's grace to redeem. And then there's, you know, and then there's, um, you know, a kick in the tail to say, okay, yeah. that's fine. But what are we going to do about this? Mm. You know, our life's not about performance, but it's about, it's about, Fruit of the, being a fruit, ha, having fruit from our tree. Like so if you don't, if, if I'm a dead tree, I'm not producing fruit. Absolutely. And and if I'm a, a, a student athlete, a coach, professor, and I'm not producing fruit, hmm. it's time to infuse something in that tree to to redeem itself. Yeah. And uh, and so Good. that's that's part of our culture here too. Is we we tell kids, what you see may look great and it, it's a, a phenomenal opportunity, but. But sin doesn't stop at the gates of Northwestern or the right. gates of the Hill household or the gates mm. of the church I, I attend. So uh, and, and so mm. uh, how do we, in this, in this process of having 18 to 22-year-old kids here, mm. uh, help them in their faith journey and redeem them when there's, when there's issues in their life, which there absolutely are going to be? Yeah. I, I tell us all the time, no, and, and forgive me for bragging about Northwestern. That's good. I can't imagine a better place for somebody to struggle in their faith. Yeah. And that sounds crazy, but I tell kids all the time, if you're struggling in your faith, there's not a better place. you got people here who love and care you. Ask the tough questions. Mm. What does this mean? I just left home. I have no, I went to church for, you know, 18 years and nine months, you know, and I, I don't quite get it. I thought I did, but this is different to me. Mm. Man, you're not going to find a, a place that doesn't want to embrace that young man or woman and, and help them at least guide them to what Christ has called them to be. It's huge. So... I think that's amazing too, and and I really appreciate that because being a young person myself, I think it is so hard. We have so many questions, right? And sometimes you're thrown into the fire without knowing those answers, and yeah. and, and there's nobody there to really be that person you can lean your shoulder on. So yeah. I think that's really amazing. And what you said is a great lead into the next question. What have been some challenges for you in creating that Christ Center culture? here at UNW and how have you navigated those challenges as the leader of this athletic department? You know, um, culture-wise and, and, and um, developing a Christ-centered workplace has not been a challenge with my staff. That's good. And I say that for a couple of reasons. Our, once again, not perfect by any means, but mm-hmm. when we go through a process of interviewing somebody, when we go through a process of vetting somebody for a position, yeah. I will say this. One of the most important part of my jobs, and actually the one I probably like the least, is hiring. Yeah. Uh, and the reason why I like it the least is it's a long process, and I typically have lost somebody really good. Yeah. And so now I try and say, well, how are how are we ever going to place Noah? We're never going to we're never going to get another guy like him. He's great. But uh, God seems to bring another great person to us. Amazing. But we vet them extremely well because they need to understand what they're coming into. Yeah. This isn't a you know a closed uh, campus cultish type of situation. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a place where. I'd rather have an average coach, Noah, and a phenomenal shepherd of young men and That's women amazing. than a great coach and somebody who really can't do the discipleship piece. Then our stu- We've done a disservice to our students. 
if I bring a coach who's won four national championships but can't disciple young men and women, mm. it's not. I'd rather have an average coach so I can it could become better uh, on the X's and O's, um, but somebody who's phenomenal in discipling young men and women because you because what you're going to find is that at the end of the day, winning the trophy but losing the hearts is way is is a loss. Hundred percent. If we can, if we win the hearts, we disciple young men and women, and we don't get a trophy, I could care less. Mm. I could care less if I never put another trophy in our trophy case. If, but if we have young men and women who honor Christ and all they say and do, and they leave this institution doing the same uh, out in the world, then then that's the best trophy a, a school a person could ever hoist in the air. It's amazing. And, and so I think that to to blow out your question though, the toughest part about uh, probably developing a Christ-centered culture is our student athletes. Mm-hmm. I don't mean that because who they are. I mean it because where they came from. Totally. I went to a public high school in Iowa. No, I didn't have any coaches. I don't think that were believers that I knew of. Yeah. And if they were, they didn't challenge me in my faith. And you know, it's public school. I'm not blaming anybody. But but when you come into a public school who's has good missions and good values, and you say, okay, here's there are three, place Christ first in all you do, mm. invest in relationships and pursue your best. It's like, oh, okay, well, my club team didn't do that. I, you know, how does that look? Yeah. Like, I, I wanna do those things, but what does that practically look like out in on the practice field, in the game, in the hotel, in the in the restaurant? And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and so that's probably the tougher challenge is, is, is having our student athletes um, understand, buy in, and be in, um, at least our first year students, what is this crazy thing I just came to? Mm-hmm. But we spend a lot of time on that, uh, especially with our first year students and even our sophomores, juniors, seniors. But what does this look like? How do you play mm-hmm. it out? And then practically, what does this look like? Like, yeah. what does it look like on the field? How do we behave? How do we react? How do we lead, serve? You know, what does that look like? And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, not perfect. There's times you got to pull a young man aside. After a football game last week, I had to pull a young man aside. That's not, I said, that's not who we are. I get it, you're hyped up in the game. I get it, you're going one-on-one with a defensive back, but that's not wh- what your actions on the field don't represent the mission of Northwestern. Hmm. So either yeah. we got to figure that out, you know, it's great, or we got to make a change. Totally. Because you represent more than your number on your jersey. You represent Christ ultimately, and you represent this university. And it's good. And um, it's a lear- good learning moment. Mm-hmm. That's probably the toughest thing I would say, Noah, is, yeah. and it's not tough. It's not hard, but I think it's the biggest challenge because mm. – um, uh, some kids aren't used to it, and it's a little tougher to buy into. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah. So well said, and I really loved how you honed in on the the coach part of it and discipleship, right? Because we need leaders, right, in our communities, in our schools, and in our university athletic departments, mm. right? I think we always picture discipleship and we think of church pastor or youth pastor, and totally those individuals are great at discipleship, but... The reality is we can have that in our athletic departments, right? And that's why we exist as a ministry. We want our young people to be those men and women who disciple young people. And so I didn't have this question written out, but I'm curious. When you're in that hiring process and you're looking at coaches and staff, what do you look for in terms of discipleship and mentorship that really makes you think, that's my guy or that's my gal? Yeah, I think it's first and foremost, I'll go way back again. It's about relationships. Yeah. I want coaches that love their athletes. Mm. Literally... Uh, I, I basketball coach says all the time. I want to recruit. This is a funny saying, but it's true. I want to recruit kids I can lose with. Yeah. So that means if we lose, I want to be. That's a kid I can lose with. He's a quality young man. I don't want to. I don't want to have a bunch of powders and kids that can't lose. Mm. I want to win, and he's won lots of games. But yeah. he wants to. But it's about that relationship piece of it. Hundred percent. And they have to love. They have to legitimately love that student athlete for who they are. 
whether they're the best dribble in the world or they struggle in dribbling, mm-hmm. whether they can throw the ball 60 yards or they can only throw it 30, whether they can run a 4.15 mile or a 5.15 mile. They're all important in God's kingdom, and they've been placed here for a reason. They're so not, good. They may all not play, Noah. In other right. words, I was a 5.8 point guard. I was done. My career ended in high school. Yeah. I wasn't going to play college basketball. Yeah, certainly. But, uh, but uh, our coaches realize that the kids have made a commitment to be here First and foremost, love them. You'd be surprised at the challenges kids have. And maybe you know oh, this. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're a young person yourself. The challenges in life have always been difficult, right? I, I, had, I, had, a, I had a rough upbringing in a sense of, of, of life and, and dysfunction family. But I think there's probably more pressure now than there ever has been on people. That's and the so divide true. that we see in our world is even bigger. And, we, so and, and so as a young person, there's a lot of weight on, on people's shoulders right now. You know, yeah. and, and what they can... And what they can, uh, and what they see each and every day, our coaches can be, you know, somewhat of a of a uh, a foundation for them, a, a cornerstone for them, mm-hmm. a, a a rock for them uh, in this journey of life. And and I think it's it's something that uh, it does weigh heavy on our coaches at times because they get some really tough situations in totally. life. But uh, through God's grace, we work through mm-hmm. them, and and our students, um, you know, they they flourish hopefully at the, at the end of their first or second or third year here. It's amazing. You know, I love what you said is you have to love your athletes as a leader and as a coach, right? It doesn't matter if you're in administration or if you're on the field coaching co- coaching those athletes. It's it's about loving the individuals that are here and that are in the program. And I think we've, to some extent, lost that. And I think it's become more, what can you do for me yeah. before I actually appreciate yeah. you? Um, and, and I see that being a challenge across sports, right? Whether you're the intern, right, or you're the GA, sometimes there's that lack of appreciation and love from your staff. And... I think that can be a very hard thing to work. You know with. that that comes from a spirit of selfishness. Hundred percent. It's basically what can you do for me? Yeah. You know, if if my job at Northwestern were to, you know, I came here from Iowa, were to do this for a few few more years, and then and then try and quote unquote go up, which I don't always agree with, but to Division yeah. Two or Division One. Yeah. I've had those opportunities. Yeah. And and that is that. Then I I would be you know using my coaches to get wins. And, and using some, you know, to get better facilities and these things so it looks good for me hmm. so that I can move in, in advance. Yeah. So it really is a commodity. What can you do for me? Totally. If it's the opposite, what can I do for you? That, that to me is, it, first of all, it's a Christ-like model is what I can Absolutely. do for you. But it also, uh, I think it's a, I think it'd be a shallow life if it was always about me. Mm. Because eventually then, you, there you are, Division I remember a story, uh, we had a chapel speaker here, um, David Wheaton. Mm. Do you know who David is? I do not. David Wheaton, yeah, because he's a little older guy. David Wheaton was a tennis player back in the 80s from, uh, I think, it's, I believe it's from Minnesota here. Yeah. And uh, kind of came up through ranks. That was when Jimmy Connors and a guy named Bjorn Borg were really good. And, um, and uh, I can't remember the guy from Germany, uh, really. Boris Becker was coming in. This is the, er- this is the middle, early to middle 80s. Yeah. And David went to a, David got invited to what's called the Grand Slam Final. So anybody that won the French Open, U.S. Open, Australia, or uh, Wimbledon, those four, I think the four finalists, they had 16 people that came in, and they played for the ultimate champion. Oh, that's cool. And I think David won it one year, if I'm not mistaken. And I remember him saying it was at center court. Back then it was a you know, million and a half dollar payoff, which was big. And he said, I sat there and I got the trophy and I looked up after 10 minutes and everybody was gone. I looked around the whole place and it was like, that was it. Now we're on to our dinner or our next thing. He goes, I remember at that time how short-sighted winning and about being about myself was. So like, good. Like they're gone. It's, it, it was only about that moment and now what? 
if you're serving others, that moment doesn't go away. So and good. you multiply yourself, right? We hope that kids leave this institution and go coach and go mm. teach and be a lawyer and be a, in the radio station or whatever. Yeah. And you've invested in the future, which I know you, we'll talk about a little bit later. Yeah. But that is... Um, it's the mindset I think that you have to back to your yeah. question. It's what, not what I, you know, you can do for me, but it's what can amazing. I do for you? Yeah. And, and, and I think ultimately if, if we're to please Christ, that's what he would tell us to do anyway. Yeah. hundred percent. And going back to even Christ centered culture, that's what it's all about, right? It's serving one another faithfully mm. and selflessly, which very hard to do, right? Yeah. It's so easy to say it now. And then you leave here and it's like, well, how do I do that? Right. right I right. so badly want to displease myself and, and serve myself. Um, but I think the more that you create that culture, the better long term that you are gonna, or the better things will provide for your young people long term. And you think about discipling young people is amazing because once they leave, they disciple other people, and mm. those people disciple other people. It's this web of yeah. you're sending out kingdom leaders that God will use to have an incredible impact. Started with twelve. Yeah. And look where we are today. It's amazing. So that's right. It's truly amazing. And Dr. Hill, you kind of talked about this a little bit, but it can be so hard to keep the main thing, which obviously is Christ. The main thing in sports, right? There's so many things pulling our attention away. The hours that are often expected to work, the uh, demands to, to win or to be successful, right? Especially outside of a Christian university, the mindset can be just win, win, win all the time. How have you kept Christ the first priority with your staff and with your athletes despite the temptation to prioritize winning or even academic success? Yeah, um, you know, uh, that's a great question because uh, I'm very competitive. And, and you know I, I'm I'm not young anymore, but I'm very competitive. When I played racquetball, I wanted to, and I could beat still beat the young guys at racquetball or something. That's when awesome. I, I was a runner, when I, even when I go out and run now, I look at my watch and I'm like, really, that that's how fast you run? You know, I mean, just a you know, I'm, I'm competitive. Yeah, I want to win. There's absolutely, and I want to hire coaches that want to win. Mm. I don't want to hire somebody that doesn't want to win. Yeah, but I've realized uh, the longer I've been you know on this earth, uh, what's really important in life. That's good. And what's fleeting and what Christ, the Bible says is fleeting and really what's eternal. And mm. I think you have to have an eternal perspective on, well, I don't care what position you have in life, what role you have, what your career is. Mm. You can, And it can be in, in quote unquote the secular world, but yeah. uh, but you, you have to have an eternal perspective. I think I've learned that over time. And I remember my first coaching job. I was probably a basketball job. And I was probably not a very good coach because I had, I had, modeled behaviors of the coach that I had and I didn't like him. Mm. I wasn't horrific, I wasn't bad, but I remember sitting there saying, well, I don't want to coach that way anymore. That's really not who I am. Mm. It really isn't who who Christ has called me to be. And, and I realized really what was more important was the development of a program as opposed to coaching a team. There's a big difference in that. And in your next podcast sometime, we'll talk about the <laughs> yeah. difference of development of a program as opposed to coaching a team. Yeah. But um, I'd say this all the time. After the game, we have to ask ourselves three questions, Noah. Did we win the game? That's the third question we ask. Yeah. Okay, important? Sure. Did we disrespect our opponents? That would be the second question we ask. Did we, did we honor our, our opponents? They honored. Mm-hmm. How do we play and honor our opponents? The most important question that we ask after game number one is, do we honor Christ? That's good. If we did the first two and the bulbs were less on our side than the other side of the scoreboard, I think we won. Yeah. We may not take home the trophy that day, it goes in the L column on the, on the score sheet, but we won. In, yeah. in, in Christ's mind, we won. If we, if we win and we didn't do the other two by honoring our opponents and honoring Christ, I don't care what the score sheet says, uh, we didn't win. Mm. Yeah, you get a W for it, and you may even take a trophy home for it. 
that's not what the trophy of love life is about. So good. And so I've yeah. learned these things over time is, um, you know, once again, since I've been here, Noah, we've built 14 trophy cases. We've, awesome. we, uh, we've won, we've been to 35 NCAA tournament appearances in the last 10 years, Final mm -hmm. Four, some Sweet 16s. So are we competitive? Yeah. I don't think it's mutually exclusive. I don't think so you have true. to compromise your faith here uh, uh, and say, well, to win more games, we're going to do this. Yeah. It, maybe you would win more games, actually. If you're willing to have lack of integrity and find ways to cheat, there are ways to do that. Mm. But, but you don't have to do that. You can win games and have high integrity and be true to your mission at the same time. I, I sometimes, as I consult other athletic directors, especially younger ones in, in Christian college settings, I remind them to never compromise that. It's not like you have to do one or the other. Matter of fact, if you do one, if you do them together, it's actually more, uh, it's more appealing to people. So true. I mean, I, we had a, a phenomenal vo volleyball recruit here this weekend who's getting recruited by everybody. And she's, she's committed as a junior to come here uh, because, of, because of what we just talked about. Mm. The not compromising the faith part of it, but also being committed to winning and being better and being a good program. She yeah. wants both of those together. And I think it helps us recruit, actually. Yeah, that is that is so profound. And what often people think, it's to your point of, those things are often thought as mutually exclusive, but they don't have to be, right? You can no. be a Christ-honoring individual, and you can live the way he's called you to live and still be successful, right? Yeah, and, 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 and once again, I mean, on the academic side, our student-athletes perform at the same level, if not better, than the general student body. I mean, our average yeah. GPA in athletics is 3.36. It's really good. I wasn't there as a student athlete back in the day, but uh, they're smarter than me. Yeah. Uh, and, and they graduate and they get jobs. And so Amazing. you don't have to say we're a sports institution, we're an academic institution, we're a faith institution. Yes to all those. Mm. All those together. We want kids to leave here with a great degree and grow in their faith. And okay, while you're at it, play sport. Yeah. And, and, and have a great experience that way. Or yeah. sing in the choir or be in the play mm. or be a part of a ministry team or whatever. Have fun. So, so uh, I, I don't think, I think in today's society, students are looking for a school that has a niche, and that's where they want to go. Mm. If a school doesn't have a niche, you're going to have a tough time recruiting kids there. Yeah, that's so well said. You know, and I, and I think just going back to even your point, I just loved how you said that about success being something that can be found when you're serving Christ. And I think just modeling that and living that out and not fearing, right, losing your position or, or not reaching your goals. Mm and trusting that the Lord will lead you where he wants you to go if you're in obedience to him. That's right. right. And that's, that's so much more fulfilling long-term anyway. So it's yeah. so well said there, and I think that's a great a great takeaway for our listeners. And Dr. Hill, the demands of the sport industry are, are something that you don't find in many other industries. And I think especially as a young person, right, you are interning, you're moving to all these different places. It can be so hectic in the early part of your career. And we talked a lot about Christ being the focus in the workplace, you know, mm -hmm. Christ-centered culture, and that's really important stuff but how important is it for young people to prioritize Christ in their personal lives as well you know this is beyond even even the sport industry but we'll come back to that I mean I we're not called nowhere to wear uh, to wear of our different faith hats yeah we don't get that opportunity that, that's not what Christ calls us you don't wear a church hat and wear a work hat and then wear a home hat are the roles differently absolutely I'm a dad I attend a church I've coached, I've got kids. Uh, like I said, I've got, you know, yeah, do I, do I have different hats as we call them? Yes. But my faith hat should be one that's pretty much permanently sewed to my thick head. Yeah. Uh, in other words, you can't, you can't compartmentalize your faith. 
I realize that what you do at church, you don't sing worship songs at Best Buy in the morning right. when you go to work. But your faith shouldn't be who you are. How you do things may be differently, but, but who you are as a person of Christ should not. Mm. You, so you know, be true to who God's called you to be. Good. And I say this all the time. If you're in a situation where you can't be who you are or you're told to be somebody that you're not, get out. Yeah. You, you got, if that's a job, if that's a, you're playing on a team or something, you know, it's a, that's not healthy at all. Yeah. Uh, because you, you're now going against who God's designed you to be. Mm. Um, so I would say, you know, you, right, you're not, you don't, you're not going to sit on uh, the soapbox outside of, you know, the University of Kentucky basketball arena as the employee and, and be preaching, the, you know, right out in, in the public necessarily. Yeah. But there's ways that Christ can infuse your faith and opportunities at any institution, any any um, school, any job yeah. that uh, hangs strong to your faith. You'll be rewarded way more for that than you will be for compromising your faith. Totally. You, you may end up saying, if, if I just do these things or I don't say these things, then I might end up just being the associate AD here, or I might be this basketball coach, or I might be you know, a manager at this particular store or whatever that might be. Mm. You're you're going to regret that someday at some point in time. Totally. Um, well, hopefully you do because it means that you've been convicted by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, or you're you know I tell kids all the time we're really only a few decisions from kind of throwing away our faith. Yeah. And not to scare anybody, but I, and I'm the same way. I mean, I, I'm I'm a few decisions away from really really compromising my faith. Yeah. So be, so so you know. Hold your faith strong in your hands and know that Christ's guiding you, mm. but know that it's like an egg too. If you drop an egg, it could crack. Yeah. And so hang tightly onto your faith. Don't so let somebody good. steal the egg from you and crack it. So good. Uh, you know. So, uh, you know, not sure if that's exactly what we're getting, but I just I feel like we, if we feel like we can't be who we are, I'd mm. question. I'd question my faith at one point in time. Do I really trust God? Yeah. Um, and number two is, I think it's it would be an unhealthy situation for somebody to be somewhere where they don't feel like that their faith can flourish. Mm. It, totally but, agree. It pu- public, private, Christ, Christ-centered, not Christ-centered institution yeah. or, or employment. So well said. And I think that's a great takeaway, too, because there's so many job opportunities that I think young people can strive after and take. Mm. And I think the way to weed that out from a Christ-centered perspective is where can I be most authentically living out my Christ-centered convictions and values. Yeah. And that's getting harder in the secular world, sure. especially in secular institutions. But the reality is, if you're under a good, honest uh, leadership, that, that should be something you're able to do. Yeah. And, and to your point, you don't have to be preaching uh, in front of your entire staff every day, but you can right. live it out in your actions, mm. in your words. I, I always say relationships outside of the workplace are very valuable. Mm. You take a brother in Christ in your office to, to lunch and, and you share in that setting, right? That's a more personal, intimate setting. And so yeah. there's different avenues that God can use your faithfulness to get the gospel out to people in your, your organization. I, I'd also say to add that, Noah, uh, you know, the scripture says that we're all ministers of the gospel of Christ. Yeah, I'll have people sure. say, I wish I was involved in ministry like you are at Northwestern or you are at Fellowship of Christian Athletes or you are Athletes in Action or you mm. are, you know, at Uncommon. Well, maybe you're not in the ministry ministry, but you are a minister of the gospel of Christ. Mm. We're all we're called a royal priesthood. We're all considered priests in Christ's eyes. Yeah. We're, you know, we're ministers. We're, we're pastors. We're shepherds. So, so don't think that you're not that you don't that you're not involved in a ministry. Yeah. Your ministry might be to the, the department you work with at Target. Yeah. Your ministry might be the department you work with uh, at in, at University of Louisville Athletics. Yeah. Or 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 Northwestern or whatever. Like, don't think that you're not involved in ministry. My, pa- I had a, f- a good friend who's a pastor in Bloomington. Met my best friend, 
And we often say that ministry is not, it, it, you can think it's vocational and, and sure, but ministry is who you are and where God's placed you to minister to people. Totally. And it could be your own family in, that, in certain situations. It could be your, your workplace. But don't, once again, don't compromise or compartmentalize my faith and my ministry with I only teach Sunday school on Sunday and then I don't minister. That's not necessarily the case. Mm. Look at your whole life as a ministry of Christ yeah. and opportunities that may arise. They may so be right. In, they may be right in front of you and you don't even. Yeah. We're not even paying attention to those. So true. There's those spheres of influence, as I call them, family, friends, coworkers, that we're always around. Mm. And I think if we really process how many of those people don't know Christ, mm. there's a lot of ministry to be done in our own Completely. lives. Right? It'll never be done until Christ returns. Absolutely. And it's just an encouraging thought, too. And I always tell our listeners, right, you're, you're, you want to work in sports. That's so amazing. Mm. Don't forget your first and greatest call, which is to make disciples of all nations, right? Yeah, great. Last words are important, right? And, and Jesus' last words in Matthew 28 are, go make disciples, right? It's it's not the great suggestion, it's the great commission. That's we right. have to go and, and do this in our lives every mm. single day. And it's not easy. It's uncomfortable. That's right. It's sometimes uh, difficult, and, and but the Holy Spirit is with you. He guides you. Um, in that same Matthew 28 passage, Jesus says, I am with you always till the end of the age. And just keeping that top of mind, I think, is, is so, so key. Good point. That's well said. And Dr. Hill, a lot of our listeners are just starting their careers in sports, and they probably hear you as, as somebody that is a great leader with a Christ-centered culture, and they're like, I, don't, I can't do that in my present situation. I'm just an intern. I'm just a GA. I'm just right. a manager. How can they cultivate Christ-centered culture in their workplace despite not being in a per se leadership position? Yeah. Um, let me start by saying um, I teach in the leadership. I teach in the uh, master's program here at Northwestern. I teach a leadership course, and my doctorate I study leadership. That's awesome. uh, I, I love I love uh, God honoring leadership. I just think it's it's uh, it's awesome. Yeah. So my first point to that person or to people is that look, everybody's a leader. Mm-hmm. You might not have the title, but a title doesn't always make you a leader. You might not be a manager, and I dare to say that some managers are not and leaders. Yeah. Leadership is not about a title or a position. It's about what you do. Um, I found out in my research that you actually can be a leader if no one follows you as long as you're leading yourself. Mm. There's a great, you know, art, articles and, and books written on that. But a leader is an influencer. And, and, and God-owning leadership is influencing somebody f- to change for God's purposes. Mm. So don't think of yourself as not a leader. I, I realize and I think the same. I, I understand what that where that question comes from because you think I'm just, I don't have any influence around here. I'm just I'm making sure I don't, you know, make anybody mad. Right. Make sure I do my job. Well, there's times yeah. like that too, but totally. Don't sell yourself short of the leadership you have. I think I say this all the time. You have captains on teams, but sometimes the best leader is an organic leader who may not even have the title of captain. Yeah. Organic leaders are people that just rise from the top, and it's mm-hmm. like I want to. That person's a great leader. I want to follow that person. They don't have a title. They're not given this responsibility, but they they've showed and demonstrated leadership qualities. Um, you know, and, and Colossians 3.23 tells us what to do. It's to honor, it's to work for God, not for man. If you focus your life on working for God, all the other pieces will fall into place. So and good. if you feel like you're working for God, you're going to do a good job. Mm. You're going to be on time. You're going to be loyal. You're going to, you know, be honest. You're going to have integrity That's because good. you're working for God. He's your boss. It's signing off on your paycheck, if you will. Mm. And thus, I, thus the man, the woman in this case, whoever it might be, will be pleased because if you're honoring God in your work, you're obviously, you're, you're, your standard is higher than man's standard because it's mm. God's standard. Absolutely. So don't, don't sell yourself short in your leadership qualities and abilities. And, and here's what I say. I, I, we just, I had an athletic chapel the other day where I told kids there's a great 
Andy Stanley podcast on the roadmap for success. I really like it. Mm. And what he does is he gives us some points there. And one of the things he says in there is, where do you want to go? What's the map that takes you there? And who's been there before you? Mm. So if you, if, if you want to, you know, in, in, let's philosophically say that, you want to be here, think of a roadmap. And, you know, we got Google Maps now. Back, back in the old days, I was a kid, you actually have to look at a map. Right. And you'd say, okay, and then you got flip pages because you went to the next state and flip a few pages, you know. Yeah. You actually had a map, and you pa- you mapped out how you got to Albuquerque. Hmm. And you knew their path to take, and then you got there. Well, I say the same thing now, and, and this is what Andy says. If you want to be somewhere, find out who's been there. I When we went to Utah to do the five state parks with my family a few years ago to hike all five state parks, it was great. I knew somebody that went ahead of me, and he said, hey, you got to, at this park, do this. At this park, you got to do these things. Here's some great restaurants. Stay at this hotel. It made our plan way easier. Mm-hmm. And I followed his plan ahead of me. So yeah, instead yeah. of me weaving around doing all this research and stuff, he said, this is a great plan. I've shared with other people who've got, since gone. But basically, the roadmap for success, one of the points would be find out where, where do you want to be? Mm. What map takes you there? What yeah. path takes you there that you think? Of course, it's, it's Christ's path for us. Yeah. And who's been there? And then say, hey, no, you, you've been to Albuquerque. What should I do when I get there? How, how do I get there? What are some things along the way? Mm. And so I think that you, if you're young, find a good leader. It's good. Find a good leader and say, hey, share some life lessons with me. Mm. Share some wisdom with me. I, I want to be an effective leader for, for Christ and wherever so, I end yeah. up. What's the roadmap for success? And how do yeah. I get there? You've been there. You're doing it right now. That's so good. You know, and I think, too, the idea, I love what you said, of you can be a leader even if you don't think you're a leader, right? And Most leaders don't think they're leaders, to be honest with you. Yeah. If you, if you really interview people, they're like, I, I, guess I, I guess I have followers, but I don't look at myself as a leader. I look at myself as a servant. Mm-hmm. And, and, so and so Humility. I had, I had yeah. somebody tell me once, you know, you, I won an award. And I was like, I, could, I should turn this award into 17 pieces and hand it out to the 17 people that so actually good. are around here because they won the award. I got, they gave it to me. But I wouldn't be anywhere if it wasn't for these 17 people. So, so leaders should look themselves as servants. Yeah, okay, mm. call me a leader if you will, but I want to be a servant. Mm. And I think that's a, that's a model that if you, if you, if you serve others, that's you are amazing. a leader. That is and you will get recognized in the world, mm. whether it's in ministry or not. You'll get recognized as a leader if you serve others. Mm. Hey, think, think about the words of Jesus, right? The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. We have the model right in front of us. It's amazing. And That's you, right. you think about, too, I, this always blows my mind. The, the power God has, right? The authority God has as the creator of not just earth and humans, but the entire universe, mm. right? Like beyond powerful. And he chose to be a servant, right? And the humility that our Lord Jesus Christ had. I mean, it's it goes beyond anything we can ever mind even imagine. And, that's right. And then that's why I think the sport industry is a tremendous place to be a servant. Mm. Right? People are looking for, as you said, leaders who are willing to do that and serve. And you'll be a better leader if you're serving, right? And you're giving Completely. yourself away to others. And I always say this too. There's, You can control the macro culture, right? Which is the entire, that's probably more your role, right? The macro culture of the entire athletic department. But then there's little micro cultures, right? The weight room culture, mm. right? The locker room culture, the manager's culture. Right? Right. It doesn't matter. If you're a manager and you're around other managers, control the manager culture, right? The way you lead other managers, the way you serve other managers, control that micro culture to, as, as best you can for God's glory. Yeah. And um, I think in, in that sense, the macro culture will improve as well. So yeah. I think just really processing that. Where has God placed me? What is my community and, and sphere of influence that I can impact in the sport industry and otherwise? 
and then your point about mentorship as well the roadmap piece i think that was so insightful and there in sports there's such a desire i think to build connections with those that are successful right how can i get to interview Davo Sweeney or, or somebody right. that is sure. I, if I get that relationship I'm set hmm. but sometimes we need to learn from those that are around us right and there's great coaches and great individuals that are willing to pour into us in our own communities and, and universities and organizations so just being cognizant of that as yeah. well of asking questions and being willing to, to yeah. learn that's right and you know you the big names look big and they yeah. are right but yeah. put that big name at a small Christian school yeah. and take the name away they're they're just like the coaches we have here. Hundred percent. They're great coach. Not not knocking any of the great coaches out there for Division One, NFL, whoever. Yeah. But uh, it might actually be harder to coach at a small Christian school. Agreed. Than it is to coach at Kansas. Agreed. You got no name. You got you don't have the facilities. You don't have the staff. You don't have the money. And you got to recruit kids to come to school and pay for it. Yeah. Yeah, and win games. It's a lot harder. It, it sometimes I think our coaches are amazing. They probably get to Division One and go, "This is a piece of cake." I mean, yeah, yeah. I got to win, but I have. Five full-time people and a mm. private jet to recruit kids and a budget, you know, X Y Z budget. Yeah. So I, you so know, true. you're right. You 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 look to the people that are really doing it, whether they're at Division mm. One, Two, Three, NAI, Junior College, or at your church necessarily, and you yeah. and you model that behavior. You find out what drives them, and you know, I, uh, I the person that hired me here at Northwestern, he said something to me is really important. Uh, two things: he said first of all, it's never dull, which is funny because you'd say that around here all the time. Yeah. Something pops up and say, "That's never dull." But yeah. number two, he says, "Where God directs, God protects. Mm. Where God has you is where God has you. You it's you amazing. are there. Yeah. Be content where you are for now. You can always be looking for the next you know next opportunity, if you will, and that's fine. But at some point in time, you need to be content where you are mm. and realize there might be other opportunities out there for you." Yeah. And I think where so God good. directs, God protects. And, mm. and so you can be a leader wherever you are, whether you work in the equipment room yeah. at a division, at an NBA team, or whether mm. you're the assistant coach of an NBA team. Yeah. God be, has you there for a reason. 100%. you got to bloom where you planted, right? And, that's right. And right where God has us. And I think that's honestly really cool, too. You even look at in the scriptures. I love Paul. Paul's one of my favorite, obviously, characters of the Bible or people of the Bible. And just how long it took for him to actually jump into ministry. He was willing to learn, right? He, he learned in, I think it's Acts chapter 11 or 10, when he learned from the other apostles before he actually jumped into his ministry. Right. He actually tested his gospel with theirs to make sure it was correct, hmm. right? And he was like, hey, I, I want to learn from you guys <laughs> to make sure I'm doing this the right That's way. That's right. Amazing, right? And even his patience to bloom where he was planted. So right, I think right. um, we can even learn from from, from the old uh, saints of, 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 of the old days. So... Yeah, so well said, and I think that's just a tremendous lesson. Mm-hmm. Lastly, Dr. Hill, I love this question. I'm excited to hear what you have to say. What is the biggest lesson you have learned in your 24 years here at UNW, and what can our listeners learn from it? I thought about that question, though, as you as you you know gave me these ahead of time just to take a look at them, and um, it, I struggled with it. And you would think, wait a minute, how would you struggle with that? I have learned so many lessons. I've made, I've met so many wonderful people. Mm. Uh, I've been uh, poured into by so many people. But um, I, if I cannot, you know, continue to bang the drum, if the drum it still has a, the drum head on it, um, love people, lead them. Mm. Um, so Christ did. Yeah. He loved people and he led them. Um, so that's the calling here. Um, that's that. I feel like that's what's been taught to me over time is. Love people for who they are, and all the messiness of life, and the joys of life, and then lead them. You know, mm. you've been we've been called to lead, 
So, so once again, let me flip it again. So serve them. I say lead them, and, I, and the way that you do that is by serving them. Uh, yeah, you guys make some decisions at a time. You, you're the, you are the leader. Like, what's the answer? Yeah. You know, what, and, but you involve them in that answer. So you lead them. So I think number one is love, love people. Um, mm. Don't compromise who you are and your faith. Amazing. Don't don't comp, don't sell out. Um, I tell kids in their dating relationships, don't sell out. Yeah. It's easy if you're looking for love to find love and realize that it's it's not Christ's love. Mm. If you find that person that loves Christ more than they love you, snatch them up. Yeah. 100%. Because because that's the person that you want to spend the rest of your earthly life with. Mm. And and uh, you, don't, you don't have to get married. I'm not telling. I'm not forcing people to do something here. What I'm saying is that uh, you know is is uh, don't compromise your faith for anything, for totally, relationships, for totally a job, true. for a paycheck. Um, stand strong in it. Um, do what you love. It won't be a job. Mm. I had some jobs in life and I had to pay the bills. They were yeah. jobs. I still actually kind of enjoyed them. It was my ministry at that time. Uh, but I knew that's not where I was going to end up in the long haul of things. Yeah. And, and my career path is a, is a windy road to where I ended up here. And it's, there's no direct path to be an AD. Right. And I'm glad, but I didn't go any traditional route to get it to be an AD either. Um, but do what you love. Mm. It's a calling that way. It's not a job necessarily. You might have some jobs along the way. I get it. But yeah. find out what you're really passionate about, what God's designed you to be, and do it. Um, but I think uh, the bonus one, if, if you have the first commandment, the second commandment yeah. that Christ said, I think it's be humble. Mm. I say this all the time. Like, I'm not as big a deal as I think I am. That's so good. You're not as big a deal as you really think you are. You know, yeah. it's, sometimes I joke when I'm, when I'm out of the office. I was, I've been in Indianapolis for the last couple of weeks for, at NCAA headquarters for some meetings. And, like, I sometimes think the office runs better with me out. gone. You know what I mean? So yeah. I joke that they're going to, they're going to, the gig's going to be up pretty soon. They're going to realize they don't need me around here. Right. But, um, but uh, you're, you know, I'm not putting anybody down, but you're really not as big a deal uh, to others. Mm. You're a big deal to God. Totally. If you, if you, so, true. so you're really, you're a really big deal to God. Mm. Um, remember that. Yeah. You are deeply loved when you're having tough times and discouragement, when you're having joy and, 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 uh, life's going well. Mm. Just remember that you, you are a big deal to God. Um, and in your job, stay humble. You're honestly, I, I say you, I'm really not that big a deal. I'm just a person doing a job and serving God. Mm. Remember that. Stay humble. It's so not about good. me. As we said earlier. It's not about what I get and how I can move forward. It's about what I can do for others. Mm. I think if you remember some of those principles in life, um, you'll have a fulfilling career. I think I you'll, you'll, you'll have a fulfilling career. Um, and, and it may have some zigs and some zags mm. in there. Um, but I believe um, if your focus is on the right things, where God directs, God protects. Yeah. If your focus is on Him, you're going to succeed. It's amazing. My definition of success if I ever hire you, Noah, for a job, you come coaching for me, I'm going to ask you this question. Ask every coach this question yeah. to find success. If the first thing out of their mouth is, well, I, I want to win a national championship, uh, so do I. But to find success, is that success? To me, the definition of success is attempting to be better today than I was yesterday. Mm. Okay? Attempting to be better. So um, was I a better dad today to my three kids? Was I a better husband today? Was I, and when I say better, I don't just mean a checkbox like that. But did I attempt to be a, a, a godly man today more than yesterday? Mm-hmm. No, I didn't. Okay, I wasn't very successful today. Okay, yeah. there's tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah you, I mean, was I, was I successful at my workout regimen? Now nah, I, I missed today. Okay, you didn't succeed today. It's okay. You're not yeah. a failure. But I'm attempt, if I attempt to be better, 
I'm moving forward. I want to be a better dad, husband, follower of Christ, mm. employee, friend, uh, neighbor. Good. Uh, have that as your mentality. Yeah. Take little steps. Don't go from never being a coach and, and wanting to win the state championship in year one. It's not going to happen probably right. unless you inherit a really good team. Yeah. Just take baby steps. I want to be a better team than I was last year. Well, how are you going to do that? I want to be a better dad than I was. I want to be a better employee, follow of Christ. Mm. Uh, or, yeah. you know, and, and I use the term better because I don't want it to be a performance thing. Yeah. But I'm attempting in my life to improve in areas, all my areas of my life. In some boxes I check off, it was a su- successful day. And other ones, that really wasn't a very good day. Mm. Just, it didn't, didn't, I didn't do so great. But I think you know, stay humble and, and serve others and... and, and God's got great things and plan for people. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Yeah. I have I have plans for you. Mm. I have plans for a hope and future for you. Those aren't the scriptures aren't fake. They're not. It's not just words. Like that's what God has for us. Mm. Go claim it. So good. No, I, th- I think that's what I love is all those things combined in one or Christ centered culture. Right. It just coming back to the main thing of I love that. And, and I think if if our young people can can learn from you and your experience and your love for Jesus. I think the the world of sports will be an awesome place, and God will use it right as a mission mm-hmm. field. And you know, I always think about Paul. Again, I love I love Paul, and you know, just the impact he had, right? Where he goes to places like Thessalonica, and he goes to places like Galatia, and he just leaves this impact. Or should I say, God leaves this impact through Paul? Think about what God could do through us today mm-hmm. in our workplaces, in our environments, for His glory and for the mission of of the kingdom yeah. advancing. So. Yeah. Dr. Hill, it was more than a pleasure for me to be here today. I, I really appreciate your time, and I'm praying that these words impact God's kingdom and our listeners. Thanks, Noah. I appreciate your ministry you guys have, and I'm, I've been blessed by it myself. If you want to get involved with Uncommon Sports Group and the mission that we are on to help you navigate the sport industry as followers of Christ, apply for our academy on our website at uncommonsg.org. That's uncommonsg.org. Be sure to catch new episodes of the Uncommon Podcast every Thursday at midnight Eastern Time, as well as the full video episodes on our YouTube channel. Until next time, we pray that you will strive to be uncommon by glorifying the name of God in whatever you may do. See you next week.